we got to get you out of here so you can pick your family up from brunch and take them to a secondary location. <laughs> also, I'm no glad you how home. you own that so that I then could not turn it against you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not stupid. It's like you have experience with people making fun of you or something. Oh, oh no. I didn't get a bullied as a child. Worth. What do you mean this isn't supposed to carry on into adulthood? How are we already <laughs> off the rails? I've been recording for 30 seconds. What rails? We don't have rails. Where rails. we're going, we don't need rails. We only railroad in campaigns, well, not in right. our podcast. <laughs> Hi, I'm Garrett. Oh, shit. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm Jamie. And you're listening to Sweet Tea and D&D. Oh, it's almost like we know what we're Does doing. Does this go to something? Nothing be- important. Okay. I pulled out a plug and I just wasn't sure. <laughs> Pull out more, see what happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi. It's my turn to say the introduction. I forgot. Ha. Uh welcome to Sweet T and D and D where we talk about lore and legends of D and D five E monsters. Um we just introduced ourselves, so remember that. Um <laughs> <laughs> take a note. Vaguely threatening. <laughs> Rewind and remember who we are. Um How are you? How are you, Zach? We have never asked how I oh am, but it's probably not great. So, All right, good, not great. <laughs> <laughs> how are you? I am super duper. I'm hungry. Fuck you. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry your life is in shambles. It's not my fault. That's what you get for being in college. Right? That's true. Someone wants to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Today's going to be the I'm Trash so, on Zach episode. I'm so <laughs> jealous of your success. Welcome to the Trash on Zach episode. We do it every so often, just because we're jealous. I need to be put back in my place. Sometimes <laughs> I get a lot. It doesn't help that I'm wearing the douchiest shirt in my oh, Okay, what is, what is your shirt, shirt currently You don't want to know. It says, I may be wrong, parentheses, but I doubt so it. So you're wearing your personality on your shirt. I am wearing my personality. <laughs> it's a warning. Guys... <laughs> If you only knew how really true it was. Did we talk about the the bullseye at... We have not, well, well, and someone won't let it go. No, I okay, because... I let that axe go right the need, bullseye. Fuck you. People need to understand this about Zach. Zach is just... He's naturally talented a lot of things. And I, I hate him a lot, but it's only because I'm so freaking jealous. <laughs> so when we went axe throwing at Garrett's new business... Um, yeah, promo. Um, we won't say where because... Ha, 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 don't come to our town. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need any more tourist money. Stay I mean, away. If if you haven't gotten it already, shout go out watch to some shout episodes. out to Garrett's business, but I'm definitely not going to tell you the name. <laughs> you guys have found me. I'm sure you can find him. <laughs> it's not that hard. Use your Google search Facebook stalker. Stalker. I, used to, I put your full name on episode show notes too. Yeah. I mean, I'm everywhere, so it doesn't take much to find. Social security me. number, mother's maiden name, you know, high school mascot. Um. But no, Stupid I went first it. in the axe throwing because I was like, okay, if you go first, no one can like dig on you because you're the first person. You're the one up for sacrifice to look dumb. Jeez. Well, that's what I always think about it as. It's I like, mean, okay, if you that. go first, people can't rag on you because you're the first person. You were brave and you went first and made yourself look foolish. Zach went last. And that's not hating that he went last. He just went last. And of course, on the very first try, while I'm like just crossing my fingers that he botches it. He makes a freaking bullseye on his first ever try, and I feel like God just gave me the middle finger when he did. <laughs> and then I turned around and gave her both my middle fingers. <laughs> I was so pissed. The only thing like, that could have been better is he did the, the guy, cool guys don't walk away, or look at explosions. Yeah, if he'd have thrown it and turned around, turned around. or something, put sunglasses on. <laughs> Indoors, Douche level nine thousand. <laughs> and our sweet tea today is from the. 
hashtag not sponsored Jimmy John's. Yeah, it's freaky fast. I mean, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> it's not bad, though. We were kind of arguing. Please sponsor on us. <laughs> freaky fast. It was pretty fast. We so kind of confused them because somebody texted us mid after we were paying, give me a tea, too. And it's like, sorry, guy. We want another tea. Don't give us your sandwiches. Just a tea. <laughs> While you're at it, a cookie and a Okay, pickle. so this is a podcast this is about a podcast D&D. About D&D. We're we sorry. Swear. But I just want to talk about They're not sorry at all. I only brought up the axe throwing because it does make you feel like a barbarian. You feel like yes. a total badass when you're throwing axes. You just, you're like, ah! Practice <laughs> it so that you can know kind of the motions for your character as you describe them, how you attack. I do want to be able to do some of the <laughs> cool things my characters that you're do. You're really only accurate within 12 feet. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's why combat range is so close. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we have a five feet reach, so you can actually hurt them. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're just gently caressing them with accents. Have you heard? So there's the, I think it's a uh, Boy Scout thing. It's related. Into the mic. I, okay, I got sorry. that sign language. I did. Like, here. Right I need to make sure I could see you guys. I'd have to see your dumb faces as I talk to them. Aww. So uh, <laughs> there's this Boy Scout thing. It's called like the Circle of Blood. Were you a Boy Scout? No, I was not. Damn, I was hoping you were. No, I can't tie a knot to save my life. I can barely tie my own shoes. That's why I wear slip-ons. But he's going to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Different kind. All right. So um, we have, it's called the circle of blood. And it sounds really cool, but it's literally like from your hand to the blade end, the whole length of it is you spinning it around. And that's the circle of blood where you can hurt someone. And that's kind of where the five foot square comes from in D&D. Circle of blood. You know, as a woman, when I hear the word circle of blood. Uh, no, you can stop. Hard do it. stop. Do Hard it. stop. Hard stop. <laughs> we can't talk it about menstruation. <laughs> it just feels awkward. No, we're not going to talk about that. I don't. <laughs> I can just picture the masses immediately turning off <laughs> the podcast. Who's going first today? I'm going first. Not another menstruation <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Gross. And it's the Kieran, Kyron, whatever you want to say. Such a good transition. Kieran. I know, right? We're going to immediately just divert off of that. <laughs> the miracle of life. <laughs> Jeez. That's what it is. I hate myself. <laughs> you should. This is what you signed up for. No. Kieran's. You could have left us at home, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday, Sunday. Kieran's are pretty badass. I didn't know about them. They look pretty freaking majestic. It looks like a unicorn mixed with a dragon mixed with a um, koi fish. What five-year-old drew that up? You know what? Don't forget the horse. What? Oh, you said unicorn. That is a horse. Never mind. Yeah, it looks, but it doesn't look like a horse because its eyes are kind of funky. Fishy. Yeah. So it, don't, we don't mention unicorn to Jamie. It gives her PTSD. It does. <laughs> it, was, it was a long episode. Um, eyes, so it's a predator. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, okay. Anywho. Horses let's, let don't. Um, horses, first of all, we know could kill us all. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. If they, did you know their lips are completely functional like hands? Like they're all they're fully nerve ended, so they can pick up things and move certain portions of their lips. It's really creepy. I want to see one play a harmonica. <laughs> Fun facts with Zach. <laughs> I'll cut this later. Write that as a shitty comment, Garrett. No, You're supposed to be keeping track of my off topic. Things we never knew about horses. I didn't knew they had lip hands. <laughs> <laughs> Just har, har, har. caress me with your lip. No. Hands. <laughs> How about we don't? 
I'm going to timestamp that one. <laughs> nope, you can't write away your shame and not mine, you asshole. All right, Kirins. Kirins, they are noble celestial creatures in the outer planes. Kirins, in service to benevolent deities, take a direct role in the eternal struggle between good and evil. In the mortal world, a Kirin is celebrated far and wide as a harbinger of destiny, a guardian of the sacred, and a counterbalance to the forces of evil. Pretty dope introduction to the Kirin. You like really good creatures. That's like your role for so far. So? No judgment. I'm just I saying, just like, and I'm going to bring it up with something evil. Person. Oh, I try my best. <laughs> You're chaotic good at best, and you know You know it. what? I'm a Hufflepuff, and don't you take that away from me. You gave it to yourself. I so did. Whatever. Hashtag team, team Hufflepuff. <laughs> J.K. Rowling took it away from you, and she gave you Ravenclaw. Hey, <laughs> hey, the Sorting Hat listens to what you want, man. If you want to be in Ravenclaw so badly, just do it. They'll take you. I don't want to be. Yes, you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> don't lie to me. We're a lot of themes here, guys. Just roll with it. I'm a natural Ravenclaw. Ah, uh, that's cool. <laughs> All my friends are Slytherins, so I knew I was a Hufflepuff. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so the animals. So they're good it. personified. Kirins are the embodiment of good, and simply beholding one can evoke fear or awe in, in an observer. A typical Kirin looks like a muscular stag, the size of an elephant. Holy shit. Just let that sink in. Covered in golden scales lined in some places with golden fur. It has a dark gold mane and tail, coppery cloven hooves, and a spiral-shaped coppery horn just above and between its luminous violet eyes. In a breeze or when aloft, the creature's scales and hair can create the impression that the Kirins is ablaze with the holy golden fire. Beyond their coloration, Kirins vary in appearance based on the deity in, based on the deity in which... God, I can't read. Based on the deity each one reveres and the function it typically performs in service to that god. Some are horse-shaped, looking like gigantic unicorns, and are often used as guardians. Others have draconic features and tend to be aggressive foes of evil. One horn is most common, but a Kirin of fierce demeanor might have two horns or a set of antlers like those of a great stag. Wow. Um, The size of an elephant? That's huge. That's so huge. What's its movement speed? Its movement speed, oh God, it's 60. Jeez. Oh it has God. a fly speed of 120. So it's a God damn. Damn. That was terrifying. That is terrifying. See, when you said all this and you're like, it has the face of a koi fish, I just kind of imagined it like sitting in the bottom of a pond talking to you for a bit and then it just emerges from it like I'm a huge creature. <laughs> you yeah, just see the terrifying. top of it. It's, I, it's a koi fish unicorn dragon. Show Stag. him the picture. The size of an elephant. The size of an elephant. That's the important That's part. That's the picture in the... Yeah, it's like a Chinese dragon. Volo's Guide to Monsters on it's basically It's basically the Chinese dragon. 163. But it doesn't have the snake body of a, char- of a Chinese dragon. No, no, it no, has the body like of, like, a, of, sure. of a horse. Hooves. With the, see, with the ears the way they are and the eyes so low, that's what reminds me of the koi fish. Like uh, just the I can see that. Just the front of the face, nothing else. It doesn't have like... Definitely the, not as weird looking. It's no. really majestic. It's ve- like, I could see why someone would see that and be like, holy fuck, because it's the size of an elephant. Someone definitely <laughs> has this tattooed on their body. Bet. If you do and you listen to us, please show me. Unless it's in an inappropriate place, please you don't follow on Instagram. Fuck it, do it anyway. <laughs> DM me. Since, <laughs> just send it in the DMs, it's fine. Jamie just asked for inappropriate photos in her DMs. Um, you heard no, it here first. <laughs> I said it, if they're in an inappropriate place, I'm willing to take the hit. It's fine. I won't report you. 
<laughs> They're bringers of boons. Common folk consider Kirins to be rare and remote heralds of good fortune. Seeking a Kirin... Seeing a Kirin fly overhead is a blessing, and events that happen on such a day are especially auspicious. If a Kirin alights during a ceremony, such as a birth announcement or a coronation, everyone present understands that the creature is telling them great good could be in the offing. In the offing? That's what it says. That's definitely a word that we're not smart enough to know. I'm like, new word, offing. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Phonetically. <laughs> the Kirin conveys its gifts and omens, then rises back into the sky. Kirins have also been known to appear at the sites of great battles to inspire and strengthen the sight of good or to rescue heroes from certain death. A Kirin in the world claims a territory to watch over, and one Kirin might safeguard an area that encompasses several nations. On other planes, Kirins that serve good deities go wherever they are commanded which could include coming to the material plane on a mission. A Kirin disciple in the world usually serves his deity as a scout, a messenger, or a spy. So a, a Kirin could be summoned. What's that spell that a cleric does to commune with their deity? Oh. Where you roll you roll a dice to see if it works. Commune? This, is it commune? Commune's a low-level one. Which one? I thought this was a high one where they can send something to help. Planar ally? Maybe. Yeah, because I, I said so that last. Uh, I said planar ally last time because that's when it, that's what I got. I got a unicorn yeah. as my planar okay. ally. Do you have to roll for that to succeed? Um, and that one always succeeds. I think it it's always, with it always comes, but I think in the that particular one, the DM decides what it is and what it does. Okay, what sort of aid it gives you. It doesn't always have so to it engage could in be battle. Be a for that one. Oh, you know, I probably wouldn't. Well. The CR is pretty damn high. The CR is pretty high. I think it has a limitation of how high the CR can be, like a six or something. I don't know. We should look in this. I'm sorry. Okay. Also, um, an offing um, can refer to the more distant part of a sea in view, or likely to happen or appear soon. Hmm. The more you know with sweet tea and D and D. We just learned a word. Offing. I love it. Also, when you cut off someone's head. (laughs) The more you know. All right, Kieran. Where's the sec? are attracted to the worship of deities of courage, loyalty, selflessness, and truth, as well as the advancement of just societies. For instance, in Faerun, Kirins rally mostly to Torm, although Kirins also serve his allies Tyr and Ilmater. I don't like Tyr. He's the guy that got the stubby hands. You don't remember that? Mm-mm. Oh, his no. He's this, he doesn't like people who steal, and he cut off both his hands for some reason. I don't know. Hmm. Yep. He also had his hand bitten Maybe off he by uses the wolf his lips. in Norse mythology. <laughs> he uses what? Maybe he uses his lips <laughs> <laughs> instead of his hands. I'm ah, glad we brought that back. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Just turns it off. Like, get out. <laughs> um, there are also objects of adoration. Because Kirin is renowned for its wisdom, other creatures would naturally seek it out with questions and requests if they could. For that reason, among others, the creature makes its lair atop a forbidding mountain peak or in some other equally inaccessible location. Only those that have the tenacity to turn the page, complete the daunting journey to a Kirin's lair can prove themselves worthy of speaking with its occupant. Many who seek a Kirin's guidance end up pledging uh, service to the creature. They study as monks under its tutelage and serve as its agents in the world. The followers of Akirin might travel incognito across the land, seeking news of growing evil and working behind the scenes, or might be champions of their master's cause, out to defeat villainy wherever it is found. Um, they have layers of luxury. On the celestial plains, Kirins reside in lofty, elegant... 
Aries, A-E-R-I-E-S, Aries? Aries. Whatever. Filled with luxurious objects. In the world, a Kirin chooses a similar location, such as atop a tall pinnacle or within a cloud solidified by the Kirin's magic. When viewed from the outside, a Kirin's lair is indistinguishable from a natural site. <clears throat> and the entrance is difficult for visitors to find and reach. Inside the lair is a serene and comfortable place. It's ambiance and mixed between a palace and a temple. If the Kirin has taken creatures into its service, its lair doubles as a sacred site, wherein the Kirin not only rests, but also teaches of holy mysteries. So these guys just got it going on. They're like they're, dragons, they're but lawful better. Good. They seem busy. <laughs> yeah, they do seem busy. Busy not being found. I yep. would like to not be one of those, because it sounds like they got a long to-do list for and their duty. <laughs> Super lawful good. Like, you gotta be the cream of the crop to find this guy. Inside its lair, a Kirin has the power to conjure objects up to three times per day, using each of the following versions of the power once. One version permanently creates enough objects made of soft plant-based material, including manufactured objects such as cloth, pillows, rope, blankets, and clothing, to fill a cube 20 feet on a side. The second version permanently creates enough objects made of wood or similarly hard plant-based material to fill a cube 10 feet on a side. The third version creates enough objects made of stone or metal to fill a cube two feet on a side. But any materials created in this way last only for an hour. That's kind of a drawback. <laughs> Don't get attached. Regional effects. The Kirin's celestial nature transforms the region around its lair. Any of the following magical effects is possible for travelers to encounter in the vicinity. Water flows pure within three miles of a Kirin's lair. Any purposeful corruption of the water lasts for no longer than three minutes. That's pretty dope. Animals, plants, and good creatures within three miles of the Kirin's lair gain vigor as they evolve toward an idealized form. Such creatures are rarely aggressive toward others that aren't normally prey. Evil creatures can't tolerate the holy atmosphere within the same distance and usually choose to live much farther from the domain of a Kirin. Curses, diseases, and poisons affecting good aligned creatures are suppressed when the creatures are within three miles of the lair. That's pretty dope. Gosh. You can, I'm sorry, you can obviously tell I haven't read this part. Well, like, what would suck is if you just didn't know that Kirin was there, you walk in, you start feeling better. You're like, oh my god, I'm starting to feel better. And then you leave the three mile and you... And then you don't. Are Kirin's antidepressants? You know, maybe. <laughs> We're all going towards our best self. We're d an idealized form. That's what I'm going for. My idealized form is skinnier. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Same. With healthier dietary. And she's much more happy. I wouldn't say she's skinnier, but she's a lot happier. Uh, a Kirin can cast control weather within its three mile within three miles of its lair. The spell's point of origin is always the point outdoors closest to the center of its lair. The Kirin doesn't need to maintain or clear a path to the sky or to concentrate for the change in weather to persist. Okay, they just do it and it happens. That's great. <laughs> Within three miles of the lair, winds buoy non-evil creatures that fall due to an act of the Kirin or its allies. Such creatures descend at a rate of 60 feet per round and take no falling damage. Finally, when the Kirin dies, all the effects disappear immediately, although the invigorating effect on flora and fauna remain for three years. Jeez. Damn. So, that's just... It sounds like a really neat guy just to hang around with. <laughs> I, I don't know. I That would be pretty badass. Just it's all of his other things make it sound really cool. So here's a stat block. They are huge, celestial, lawful good creatures. They have a natural armor class of 20. They have Jeez. hit points starting at 152 
going up to a lot. I'm not doing that math. It's 16D12 plus 48. So there's that. Like I said before, it has a speed of 60 feet and a fly speed of 120. Um, it has a really high stat block. A strength of 21 uh, with plus 5. A up depth. to 240. Wow. Damn. Good math on you. Uh, a dex of 16 with a plus 3. A con of 16 with a plus 3. Intelligence of 19 with a plus 4. Wisdom of 20 with a plus 5. And a charisma of 20 with a plus 5. So it's got a pretty, it's pretty, real pretty. high stat block. And it's real strong, and it's real smart, and it's real wise. <laughs> so it's what is it? It's a Mary Lou, Mary something, for like uh, uh, something that can do everything in a movie. Uh, usually, female that can do everything in a movie. Mary Sue, I believe, is what that is. I've never heard sure. such a term. I believe you, but I've just never heard I'm it. I'm a nerd. It's fine. <laughs> it's skills. He says recording a D&D podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and for skills, it has perception with a plus nine, an insight with a plus nine, and a religion with a plus eight. It's immune to poison damage. Its condition immunities are poisoned. It can't be poisoned. Senses are blind sight up to 30 feet, dark vision up to 120 feet, a passive perception of 19. It understands all languages and has telepathy up to 120 feet. And it has a CR 12. How is it not a god? Um, it's god. Personified. Well, it said it could be. It's good personified. I mean, cool. Same thing. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of like a low level god. Like it could serve a higher level god, but things also serve it. Okay. Because it says it has followers like and monks. And yeah, shit. it has his own monks and clerics and type of stuff. So, but I guess if there's something higher, it would fall under them too. Hmm. Everybody's got a boss. Yeah, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> there's um, always a bigger koi fished unicorn hybrid. Elephant. <laughs> <laughs> it has innate spell casting. The Kirin's innate spell casting ability is its charisma with a spell save DC of 17. The Kirin can innately cast the following spells requiring no material components. Um, at will, it can do gaseous form, major image, the sixth level version, wind walk, and once a day create food and water. It has legendary resistance three times a day. If it fails a saving throw, it can choose to succeed instead because fuck you. That's why. Um, it's God. I mean, good personified. <laughs> it has magic resistance. The Kirin has advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. It has um, magic weapons. The Kirin's weapons attacks are magical, but it doesn't have a weapon. It just got its little Claw. clawsy bits. Horn. And it's horn. And it's horn. Horn of doom. Spellcasting. The Kirin is an 18th level spellcaster. Its spellcasting ability is wisdom. Spell save uh, DC 17 with a plus 9 to hit with spell attacks. It has the following cleric spells prepared. The cantrips. It has light, mending, sacred flame, spare the dying, and thaumaturgy. First level with four slots. Command, cure wounds, detect good and evil. Protection from evil and good and sanctuary. Three slots at second level of calm emotions, lesser restorations, or silence. Third level with three slots, dispel magic, remove curse, and sending. Fourth level with three slots, banishment, freedom of movement, guardian, guardian of faith. Jesus. Fifth level with three slots, greater restoration, mass cure wounds, and scrying. And the rest of these are only one slot. At six, it has Hero's Feast and True Seeing. Hero's Feast is pretty dope. Mm -hmm. It's a very good spell. Um, seventh, it has Etherealness and Plane Shift. Eighth, it has Control Weather. And ninth, it has True Resurrection. So This is like level 18, 19, 20 
shit. Yeah, like, eighteenth level spellcaster. This is. I would think that this is the person. This is where your characters are basically gods. Well, themselves. I would think that this is kind of like the culmination of something. You've probably been looking for this creature. Okay. First, yeah. I would. I would think you're probably seeking it out for something. I would see it as maybe your character died, and the only one who could truly resurrect them from some horrible incident is this key is ring. this key ring at the top of a mountain, and then you're like, ah. God, don't th- do things for free. You got to tie. And then they dude. make a dick joke and it blows them off a mountain. <laughs> yes. With control weather. <laughs> that would be our campaign. Um, but it yeah. does It does also say in here that um, it could ask you to do something yeah. for, for whatever you're seeking it for. So if you wanted someone forever, so. um, if you wanted someone to be resurrected, I imagine you have to do something pretty intense. That'd be fun, though. Um, it's actions. It has a multi-attack. The Kirin makes three... Uh, Makes three attacks, two with its hooves and one with its horn. The hooves is a melee weapon attack with a plus nine to hit and a reach of 15 feet. On one target, a hit does 10 up to nine, two, D, four, that's eight. No, that's 13 bludgeoning damage. On the horn, it's a melee weapon attack, plus nine to hit, reach of five feet. On one target, the hit does 14 or up to 21 piercing damage. Legendary actions. The Kirin takes three legendary actions, choosing from the options below. Only one legendary action option can be used at a time and only at the end of another creature's turn. The Kirin regains spent legendary actions at the start of its turn. Can you imagine something the size of an elephant donkey kicking you? (laughs) (laughs) Oof, you're right in the cooch. (laughs) I just imagine this thing approaching you being like tremors and earthquakes just... With just it's walking to but you. But then every now and then just clopping. <laughs> clop, clop, clop. Galloping and prancing. What if it poops on you? That's oh, a, God. It's a bigger thing. We had to go to poop. It always goes to poo. How does it fuck? <laughs> <laughs> is how it a, big, <laughs> and the player was like, how big is its dick? <laughs> is it a playable race on D&D Beyond? Um, Probably. <laughs> um, detect. The Kirin makes a wisdom perception check or a wisdom insight check. That's a lame legendary action. It has smite. The Kirin makes a hoof attack or casts sacred flame. And then move. The Kirin moves up to up to its half speed without provoking opportunity attacks. So we can move 30 feet and you can't do shit. That's pretty dope. Uh, detect prevents it from being sneak attacked. At that level, imagine how much a fucked up little rogue can do when you're CR 12 with sneak attack. If it detects the creature is no longer hidden and it doesn't have the ability to sneak attack, that's true. You know, it'd be a cool way to use this monster. Uh, you've got super high level characters; they're going after a god who has started to fuck shit up. But this Kieran doesn't know that this god is bullshit, and you got to get through this Kieran before you can get to that god. Mm. And mm. no sleep, so you can't regain your spell slots. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the ultimate level of cruel, I think. That's mean. That is mean. What if it's the god of sleep? Oh, that would... No one's been able to sleep for decades. Oh, God. I haven't been able to sleep for six years, but that's for other reasons. Uh. Hashtag grad school. Whee! (laughs) But it's a really cool... I think it's a really cool monster. You could definitely make it a huge part of a campaign. Oh, yeah. It has a lot of pluses to it. I can see it as like a deity has left the plane, and the only thing it left is its magical fish horse. Like, every now and then you must seek its wisdom. And it it is. And it's, they don't tell you it's the size of an elephant. They just said it looks like a horse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a baseball donkey kick you. Yeah. <laughs> if it, no, if it just even 
looks angry, just don't bother. Or just, it could be like one of its followers is one of your players. It does who, say also um, they can take different forms, so I'm wondering what else you can make it look like. An what colors it could... <laughs> so if it's Never like, forgets to kill. If it's like... Uh, Cord is the first one that comes to mind, deity-wise. I don't know why, but he's all like battle-hardened, oh. like bull, bull horns. That'd like, be cool. Something a lot more ferocious. That better thing. fits the god. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it. Like, I think it'd be interesting to have like a character who is like, I was raised by a Kira and I was under his service. And is I it was a playable sent- race on Dignity Beyond? I don't think so. It was, uh, <laughs> I was sent on a mission by this, uh, good personified creature. And now I'm on a mission to find other people yeah, to join me. to deal with a lawful good character and fuck that. It's, f- they have reasons to be there too. Same as the evil ones. You're right. Yeah. So we're gonna pick off where we left off at episode seven with needle blights. Oh wow! Because someone picked a giant fucking text box to read, and I get a small one. So check out. I'm sorry. Did you want to read? Maybe. All right. So uh, (laughs) I got a big one next episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Calm down. uh, For twig blights, (laughs) uh, you can learn more about blights on episode seven as we actually read their full text block about how they're coming from an evil vampire. Long story. Read the listen to the episode. Uh, I'm not going to read it. It's short story. It's Curse of Strahd. Or, you know. It's a vampires. cursed vampire killed. It's it's essentially. So here's the text above next to the twig blight, which says, Behold the legacy of Golthias, the vampire, plant with the taste for blood. Aw. Plant with the taste for blood? The, the vampire. So Golthias, the vampire, plants with a taste for blood. I read that wrong the first time. We're going to redo that. <laughs> Behold the legacy of Golthias the Vampire. Plants with a taste for blood. Okay. There was a colon in there that didn't... It is a colon, and I could not <laughs> okay. see it because I have the book so goddamn like, far away. There's a colon in there that was like, pause. Wait Keep for going. it. <laughs> Wait for it. Let's say he plants with a taste of blood. What? <laughs> he plants things with a taste of blood. It's an evil humble All he does is just plant roses, and those motherfuckers are ready to cut you open at any moment. I couldn't imagine like a rosebush blight. That would... Hurt. Wouldn't that be? I a think it's be beautiful. Blight. But needle blights are usually made from like pine trees. They're from it's from the the needle leaves of those. Mm. Um, ah, touche. No, I'm thinking of what type of trees do that that have the the needle pine trees. Huh? Well, you said pine trees. Pine trees, but they're coniferous. Coniferous. Oh, you were looking oh, like the look at that you. part. Coniferous okay. trees. I was confused for a second. I was like, what? Are you talking Not about us. coniferous trees? We're, We're never biologists. Woo-hoo, uh, plants. So, <laughs> plants. Speaking of plants, these thirst for blood. Uh, twig blights can root in soil, which they do when living prey are scarce. So they're, they just take root and they wait around for blood. While rooted, they resemble woody shrubs. When it pulls its roots free off the ground and move, the twig blight branches twist together to form a humanoid-looking body with a head and limbs. Twig blights seek out campsites and watering holes, rooting there to set up ambushes for potential victims. Coming to drink and rest. Huddled together in groups, twig blights blend in with the area's natural vegetation or piles of debris or firewood. Given how dry they are, twig blights are particularly susceptible to fire. I think it would be hilarious if in starting this encounter, it's like, hey guys, we got to set up a campfire. I would force someone to role play going ready for bed and starting a campfire. It's like, better go grab those twigs over there. And then it's just like, man, and just turns into a twig blight and starts. It just turns like into the asshole trees from Wizard of Oz. They just start throwing shit at you. So twig blights, (laughs) fun story, are small. 
small creatures. So these little rapscallions are running around trying to ruin your day. They're neutral evil. Small creatures. Uh, I forget how big they are again. Because humans are medium. So they, they're mm-hmm. like maxed out at what, three or four feet? Mm, uh, dwarfs, gnomes. Or no, dwarfs technically count as medium. Just gnomes. So gnomes and halflings are small. So like two. So like two Around feet. two to three feet, yeah. Oh gosh. So you're tiny little buggers. Almost four. Uh, yeah, so these small little creatures are running around. They have an armor class of 13. It's natural armor because they're made of fucking twigs. Um, they have hit points of four. 1d6 plus one. <laughs> Seven it. HP max. They have hit points of four. Fireball! Yeah. Oh, you, you, yes. Goodbye to the whole forest. <laughs> uh, speed of 20. So they're not very quick because they got tiny legs. Strength, six, minus two. Dexterity, 13 plus one. Con, 12 plus one. Intelligence, four, minus three. <laughs> Wisdom, eight, minus one. They don't know. They're like, let's go to this campsite where we'll be safe and have blood, but also where we're prime picking for, <laughs> I don't know, candling. Uh, Wisdom, Aww. minus one. Charisma, three, minus four. <laughs> So they're not. They've got dexterity on their side, and that's this is about a, this is one of those monsters that's good in groups. So you found yes. the utter opposite of a Karen. Yes, <laughs> this is the evil little bullshit, little, little low level bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> it actually. I think one eighth is the lowest CR in this book, and it is a one eighth CR. Oh, skills, cute. stealth plus three, damage, vulnerability, fire. <laughs> So, which that means when you light it on fire, it takes double the damage. So, imagine if this twig blight was just like, I'm going to get them real good. I'll sneak them when they come and grab me. And they're like, better load this twig blight into the fire. And as soon as you lay it down, it takes five, four fire damage from it. And then dies instantly. (laughs) You are really downplaying the twig blight. And it's like, we forget forget that we played a whole bunch of twig blights and almost died. You weren't there. You were being a doctor. I had to save you, I'm pretty sure. When we were were playing Curse of Strahd online. Who was DMing? That guy from Germany. Okay, because we did also play (laughs) the twig blights. We play the twig blights in um, the game store too, and we literally pot shotted them with um, what's that spell? Firebolt. (laughs) Firebolt. Yeah, it was great. So these sons of bitches are immune (laughs) to being blind and deafened. Um, They have a blind side of sixty feet, and they are blind beyond this radius. That would suck. That's a miserable existence. Um, Where they're just kind of like waiting around for somebody to walk in their campsite, and they don't know how big they are. I mean, I'm sure they kind of get an idea by tremors, but they don't have tremor sense. Languages. They understand common, but they can't speak it. And again, they're a CR of one-eighth. One-eighth. You look so disappointed in your monster. I'm not disappointed. I think these things are fun, and I like to imagine they have... I would throw, have... like, 30 of them at my so you, <laughs> tiny squeaky voices. Do you remember um, the Kokiri children from Zelda, the most recent one? The children? Yeah, the little acorn-looking people. That oh, you yeah, 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 yeah. They remind me of that. That's what I think they're like. Just small little things, but they're full of fury and hate. <laughs> so much hatred. I would love to see how many of those it would take to defeat a level 20 character. Horde. A like, horde. Literal uh, like a horde. whole horde. They had like 20 against us, and they became annoying. Yeah, they were <laughs> annoying. Nothing really got to us because we could just hit them from a distance, but they move pretty quick. They're really quick. They're sometimes hard to hit. Mm. And, and if you're a squishy a, character, like if you're a wizard. sorcerer or a warlock or a wizard, mm-hmm. you might be fucked. They might get you. Yeah. Because if you're squishy, they don't need a lot. And you, oh man. You'll I, run out of spells before like, you get I remember all of them. In, when we were playing online, I had to like save you. 
I had to. I had to. I think you went down. Either you went down or I went down, and we had to get the other one out because there were just so many. It sounds that hard to kill. There were just like thirty of them. It's like, well, fuck. Yeah, I was not there for that. Nope. I don't think. No, you weren't. Yep. They have one move. It's claw. Meow. Yep. It's a plus three to hit. They have a reach of five feet and one target. Claw takes three damage or one d four plus one piercing, so oh. a maximum of five. But if you're a low level party. Yeah, they one will or two, one or two. A few of them will get you. If you do one to two, maybe two to three per character, they'll That's a solid. really fuck you up. It's a it's a solid uh, encounter right there, and that's what it was with us. We were it was the beginning when they're trying. Spoiler alert! They're trying to push you toward the death house. They're trying to corral you to go in there. I thought it was at the vineyard. I mean, I imagine it was probably well. It was the same thing when you're going um, to that house, right? The death house is the opening adventure for that campaign, yeah. and then the vineyard Maybe is where you twice. pass the the, vi- the vineyard. Oh, when is you're low. in Barovia, yeah, in Barovia, yeah. Death think, house is starting in Barovia too. I thought that's what it doesn't matter. Anyway, we played. We tried theater. it so many times we can't even it's remember. It's all the damn muddling plot. together. No one knows. I don't know how it ends either. So, um, when in doubt, light a twig, blight on fire, and just use them for kindling. Solid advice. <laughs> Solid advice. Kill them and use them for kindling. Don't maybe bludgeon or slash them to death so you can at least use their bodies for firewood. It turns into a real nice log. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a few twigs, ready to go. Our next magic item is from Instagram. And they are from our friend James Parrot Pere. Sorry, James, I don't know how to say your name. James. James. <laughs> James. We'll just call you James. We're on that level. Hi, James. I'm Jamie. Um, they're called the Forgotten Keys. And it's assembly of one, two, three, like five different keys on a key ring. Once attuned, you can assign one of the five keys to any door permanently. So you have a key ring of random five keys. And one by one, you assign them to any door for any time for the rest of the game. That's pretty cool. It is really cool. I thought it was a pretty... Pretty handy thing, um, roleplay-wise, especially for your local rogue or Save thief or two of them for way later on in the campaign. Yeah, and just save one for like your safe place. Like we just got a uh, a house in our current campaign. We took this house, and we're like, we kill the hag occupying, it and we're like, this is ours now. <laughs> Somebody find <laughs> the deed. <laughs> we earned it. In our defense, she was cutting people up to feed them to small children. Mm-hmm. Actually, it wasn't a person. It was fruit. But whatever. She was not a nice person, so we had to kill her and took her house. Um, I just like the idea that you can assign it to anything. So you could come up upon a castle. You could come upon a carriage or a treasure chest or anything. Or the anything, big bad guy's house. Or anything. And just be like, mm, let me in. <laughs> <laughs> and not have to worry about um, lock picking or checks or anything or worried about coming back again it'd be really fun to give this to your characters without really telling him what it was you find the janitor's key ring and then they they're like oh it worked on this door and then they try later oh it worked, it worked on, on this, this door, door too <laughs> hmm. but the first key didn't work on there and the second key didn't work on that one and they just slowly figure out that <laughs> and then they have <laughs> one key left <laughs> Imagine them using it on the stupidest doors imaginable. Like, well, we tried it on our tavern door and it worked fine. Like, oh, you idiot. No, if it belongs to the rogue, it's going to, like, the freaking magic shop or the armory oh, or yeah. something. They're going to go in there and steal Give it to the bard. And I would like to point out on this, though, it does not disable any traps on the door That's for those very DMs true. who are giving it away. It doesn't do that. So It does not stop adverse lock reactions. It just opens it, which is probably even worse because... 
if you are just opening it, I I mean, you could say, I wouldn't even say, are you going to check for traps? I would just be like, you are supposed to know that you're supposed to check for traps. And traps just go off. So, thanks, James, for a great another great magic item. I have several of his saved on Instagram. Um, and we're going to talk about them later. And Pinterest. So, thanks, James. Okay. Let's talk about... <laughs> Let's talk about our DM tip. Just dear. I'm going to be honest. I think I dissociated for about 10 seconds there. <laughs> I was like, you okay there? <laughs> I, was just like, I was about to check on you. Darkness, <laughs> darkness, darkness. And I'm back. So for our DM tip. Just the tip. We're going to talk about absent characters today. Oh, and not just absent-minded like Zach was, but when they're actually not there. <laughs> hey, sometimes you just gotta take a little break in your own little mind and just not think about it. <laughs> ten more seconds later. Fast. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so typically, you only gain experience for encounters, and if you're not there, you don't gain experience. But. But what? So. I normally just try to keep everybody on the same level just because... It's easier that way. It's easier, and I normally have... if like Let's say Jamie was absent from one of the games. Our, the, our current DM actually has a folder of all of our character sheets on backup, so she'll just pass them out if you need them. We play at my apartment, so I always have mine. Either way, uh, <laughs> if you have that, I always will say, like, okay, who's playing so-and-so today? And we'll just kind of Jaeger them, like, oh, yeah. You'll be this person, and they'll gain experience because they technically participated in the encounter. Because if you're in the middle of an encounter when someone when you injure, not in the middle, but like about to be in the middle of a encounter or something like that, or on the way to something, that character's there. They're not going to suddenly poof and disappear. Yeah, it's not like Adventures League where things just kind of happen like that. And it's also Adventures League is a video game. It's an MMO. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, pretty much. Um, also, I gotta go. My mom says I have to turn it off. And just, <laughs> um, also, when you're a DM and you've been preparing and you get the monster and you do everything, you do it in the assumption that all the players will be mm-hmm. there. So it's it's just a pain in the ass to last minute have to scale down because one or two people are out. So it does help to have that on hand. So that's something to really think about is making a copy of your players' character sheets and making sure you have them on hand just for encounter purposes. We I know we don't usually do anything beyond just encounters. With other players who are not there. If a huge decision is coming up and they're involved, you can be like, a quick text message or call them real quick. Yeah. Um, I I try not to make big decisions without everybody there, but sometimes it just be the way that it is. Yeah. Unfortunately, one of the other downsides is like if you have a character that you've made and at that point you as a DM are like, oh, well, we're actually focusing on your character today. Don't forget to come up to this session or next session because it'll be the you story. It's your episode, essentially. And they're like, I'm not coming. Like, well, you're dead to me now. I'm just, so um, it feels that way, though. It's like, thanks. I just put all this time and energy into making your character the star of the show next week, but you're not going to be there. <laughs> yeah. So with that, one of the kind of suggestions in the Dungeon Master's Guide is on page 260, and I just remembered I did not tell you what page the Needle Blight was on. I believe it's page 36 of the Monster Manual. It's in the 30s. Figure it out. Uh, so <laughs> you'll be fine. There's an appendix. You can also too. Google. <laughs> They have a, actually a kind of a cool picture of them. Either way, it's on page 260 of the Dungeon Master's Guide. And one of the things they actually say is you can stop giving those who are missing XP. And it will it's more of an incentive to show up to the game. Because if they're lower than their friends, they'll see others at the party are doing bigger and better things. And if you know their level, you can calculate the CR. That's not a big deal. It's sure. like an equation anyways. 
but for the uh, uh, needle bite, it's on page 32 of the monster manual. Uh, for the experience gain, though, if you're cutting back on those players who are constantly missing sessions, then that's remo- That's the incentive to show up. But if you're constantly giving it to them because they just weren't, everyone's Jaegering them or somebody else is just gaining the experience for not or showing you're up. you're doing uh, event-based milestone. Milestone, yeah. Yeah. So... But the thing is, is milestones, you still have to go through sure, the milestones. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, for this one, I would say, if you're not there, you don't get it. It's hard. It's hard to make that call. Like it's, it's fun to say, oh, well, if you're not there, you don't get it. But then it comes to remembering who has what, who did what, who gets a part of what. And if they were there for one part of the encounter, but they weren't for the second part of the encounter, do they get all the XP? Do they not? And then I just kind of have a problem myself of just... Oh, well, I'm sorry, you were sick or your kid or whatever excuse you have that you weren't there. Like, oh, sorry, they get their magic items and they get to do all the cool shit. They leveled up, blah, 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 blah. But uh, you weren't there, so. Yeah. In my opinion, it seems wrong to punish somebody for life. Yeah. And have it. No, I will agree that if you're just kind of ghosting the group, that's different. But if sorry, life does come Sorry, level two and the rest up, of us are ten. <laughs> right? If that comes, no, man, you just need to. Do something it else. would probably be easier just to say, hey, you're not coming, so we're going to remove you from the party. <laughs> you're staying at a tavern somewhere. You got called Forever. to another life. <laughs> You've been knocked unconscious. Yes. You were called think, to another adventuring party. Uh, speaking of this, Critical Role reference, Ashley Johnson was away for a really long time, and Matthew handled her being away for a while Very really nice. well. Yeah, It is good. Yeah. Like, if you know it's going to happen, that's great. You can plan it. And Mercer's a great DM who can wing that as like, oh, yeah, they're on an adventure. But also, we've, I mean, we've done that in our parties before, too, when when someone is known, like, uh, we had someone who was getting married, and they knew for, like, a solid month or a month and a half they wouldn't be able to make sessions. So we made a way might have for them, them to, to not, the you know, whatever it takes. But they were they were taken care of. So there wasn't, like, an absence or a void with them gone and we knew that they were gone we knew when they'd be back so all that kind of comes to being communicative and you know if you don't want to play say you don't want to play but set yeah. your intention you know and let the dm know in advance if you can that you're not coming like give them a day that would be the best thing i think one of the things that kind of gets me is like if we're an hour before the session and you just say i'm not gonna make it i'm like a day gives you the time to make a side quest side quest you can start another thing i think as a DM, if you know the party's going to be missing, maybe have like a small one-off or a small side quest, as Garrett mentioned, handy. That way or no shopping one misses. Montage. Shopping montages. Yeah, sometimes you're in a dungeon. Battle you're like, goddamn shopping montage. Yeah, Battle. Battle. Shut up. <laughs> Dick. And you walk in the room and there's just a cobalt on the shop desk who's like, would you like to purchase my wares? <laughs> <laughs> I have wares if you have coin. <laughs> Khajiit has wares if you have coin. Uh, so, yeah. Um, there was one more thing I was gonna say, and that was gonna be it. Um, this chair oh, is really noisy. One more thing that I was I I do as a DM sometimes, one especially if thing. it's last minute. It's called with them in spirit. <laughs> they're just they're there, but they're not there. They don't do anything. They don't say anything. They don't get into encounters, but they're just there in spirit. <laughs> they're just kind of a body. Yeah. Yep. And so that's where you kind of give them the experience of being there. So I like the um. Like when Ashley was gone in this season of Critical Role, spoiler alert, she just kind of was on her own evil little duties. Still doing stuff, still gaining experience. Yes. Like, 
Yeah. She was staying with the group. Um, the others, however, another one, she would just kind of Skype in and they'd be like mm-hmm. an astral projection of her, oh, which is cool also pretty neat. I was like, that's neat. Like, I think it was more of a kind of, it started out as like a joke. Like, her deity has done this for her. But everyone's just like, that's that's sweet. We accept this as reality now. <laughs> canon, canon, canon. This is how it is. <laughs> Fire the cannons, it's canon. And just, that's it. So I think with that, it's it's really up to you as a DM and also your players really being invested in the story. I think that could be a motivation for them to show up. If you say, if you're not here, you do not gain experience. Make sure it's clear in the beginning, though. Or items or treasures or whatever you have Money. to do. Yeah. Money. No yeah. shopping episode for you. You get no new cool stuff. No random cobalt dungeon shop. You're out of rations. <laughs> Sometimes you're just on the side of the road and a guy in a sphinx appears and gives you any one of the cards <laughs> in the deck of many. Fuck. Long story. You should see our other episodes for that. All right. Um, so if you somehow just happened upon this podcast and you don't know how to find it, we're on all your podcasters. Also, good on you. Huh? Yeah. Good on you for stumbling here. <laughs> you stealthy here. son of a bitch. Welcome. How'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're on your podcasters of choice. We are Sweet Tea and D&D. All separate words. Separate words. If you're yeah. looking us up. Nailed it. <laughs> yes. Um, but if you're looking for our social needs, uh, those oh are... <laughs> my God, you're fired. You're so fired. <laughs> Uh, if you're looking us up on social media, it is Sweet Tea and D&D, all one word squished together. Do it. You can also find us on our <laughs> website at sweettea.dnd.simplecast.com, where we have extra show notes and other information regarding our magic items and DM tips. Hard stop.